This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm here today with Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you back to another episode of Season 3, where we're going to be looking at strengthening the mind. And we continue our Bible study today with this thought. With all the assaults upon our mind and the stress, the worry, the trouble, is there a way to strengthen our mind against these things? And uh, before we get into that, remember our, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rwmen. Uh, you can message us from there. You can share us. You can like us for the quickest updates that are put out. Verses, quotes are on there as well. And then also remember you can find the blog, the Rejoicing in the Word blog at svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog. And then also the direct link to share the podcast, to find the podcast, svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod, and you'll be able to find the link there for any of the available major podcast platforms. And so with that in mind, we want to move into this thought, though, that we're looking at today. Is there a way that we can strengthen our mind? You know, we think of the mind as being part of that inner man. If we wanted to strengthen our arms... What do we do? We'd go to the gym. Or we'd get the dumbbell out in the basement. Yeah, we'd lift those weights. If we wanted to strengthen our legs, we might would run. But how do you strengthen your mind? You know, uh, and keep in mind, quote unquote there, uh, that we are actually, when we speak of the mind, we're speaking of our inner man, that immaterial part of our person. And so we're talking about strengthening something that you can't see, something you can't feel something you can't touch. But the inner man for the believer is admonished by scriptures to be strengthened in the inner man. And there are a number of ways in which a believer uh, should seek to have their inner man strengthened. Uh, We can look at Bible memory. That's a good one. We can look at Bible study. We can look at Bible reading. These have a lot to do with the Bible. We could look at hearing biblical preaching. There's the Bible again. Yeah. I, I think the tool, that being the Word of God and the indwelling of the Spirit, are no doubt uh, absolute ingredients. But there is a method, a biblical method, whose results are unparalleled. And if we want our inner man, that is our mind and heart, to be strengthened, I would submit that one of the greatest means is through meditating on the Word. And, of course, You know, the state of meditation, or I should say the matter of meditation, of strengthening of the inner man is a challenge to every believer, but its benefits are unparalleled. Well, I think that we need to keep in mind, I mean, as we look at this, we're going to see that, but we just use the illustration of strengthening our body. Mm -hmm. We're going to exercise. When you exercise, you're going to sweat, you're going to labor, you're going to fatigue, and um there is energy expended in physical exercise and in a different way, but also in the same vein, there is energy and effort and consistency and that needs to be a pl- diligence that needs to yeah. be applied in the area of meditation. A writer of many years ago, Philip Keller wrote that most of us are mentally lazy. We don't want to discipline our mind for sustained thinking. We prefer to drift dreamily through life, seldom doing any positive improvement to our mind. (laughs) I think that really summarizes the amount of work that it requires to focus on biblical meditation. Obviously, 
much like the illustration he gave, to be biblically meditating on the word of God is going to take time, discipline. You mentioned memorization of scripture a moment ago. Obviously, it's extremely helpful to have Bible passages memorized if we're going to meditate. A knowledge of the scriptures and even a knowledge of the attributes of God are important if we're going to gauge in biblical meditation. It is a great challenge. Um, I think sometimes the difficulty does not come because you need a specific book or a specific study aid or a specific skill. Rather, it seems to me to be difficult because it requires us to have more than just a working, passing knowledge of the Word of God. And you can't purchase that. Uh, you can't copy that from others. The results of biblical meditation, though unparalleled, it, it lifts the heart of the downtrodden. It warns the haughty. It will fill the heart of the hungry. It will embolden the heart of the fearful. And it has great promise. Remember to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Uh, let not this book of the law depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt continue therein day, day and night. night. Uh, that thou might observe to do all that is written therein. Then shall thou make thy way prosperous. And thou shalt have good yeah, success. So yeah. biblical meditation is really a great way in which we are to have our mind strengthened, obviously, through the Word of God. I feel like it's at this point, though, we should probably have a disclaimer. Yeah, we should probably talk about what meditation is Yeah, because you hear not. a lot about meditation. I just want to go on record and say that biblical meditation has nothing to do with yoga pants. I want to put that right out here. Uh, when we get to the idea of meditation and the genre in public today, a lot of times when people think of that meditation, they in, they interpret it or associate it with the view of transcendental meditation. Uh, and we'll we'll call that from here on out TM. So biblical meditation doesn't require a yoga mat. No. Yoga pants. You don't even need candles. Okay. You just need the Word of God. Yep, yep. And your uh, brain. And you can sit in a chair. You can stand. You don't have to, like, be a pretzel. Okay. You know. Um, TM, Transcendental Meditation, was made popular in the 60s and 70s. Um, it really is a pagan technique that originated in India. It's rooted in Hindu. Uh, and it was taught by the Maharashi Mahesh Yogi. Uh, this it's a form of Eastern mysticism, and it involves using a mantra that is silently repeated during these whatever 15-20 minute sessions. Uh, that's not biblical meditation. You know, the desire of transcendental meditation is to empty your mind. Yeah. Biblical meditation, on the other hand, has the idea of filling the mind with the Word of God. With the Word of God. Yeah. Biblical meditation is encouraged. And the 119th Psalm, and we'll get there shortly, but it's also commanded. We we could think about the proper order of life. Yeah, found in Philippians 4. The first one is think. Think on these things. Think, think, think. And that invokes that discipline, strength in the mind, so it's commanded uh, throughout the Word of God. Uh, biblical meditation really is conversing with oneself about the truths of the Word of God the first time. Uh, like so many things in the scriptures, the first time that you'll find the, the idea of meditation is also in the book of Genesis. It's in Imagine chapter that. 24. The book of beginnings. Yes. And it's Isaac that goes out into a field to meditate, and that's when he sees Rebecca and the camel train coming in. And the idea there is to ponder, to converse with oneself, to contemplate. And that, that's what we're doing with biblical meditation is we're contemplating, we're pondering, we're reflecting, 
in command in uh, Philippians chapter four, we're thinking on these things. Uh, I think that's verse number eight. Uh, so there is the idea of reasoning, concluding. I love these two, accounting and numbering. Uh, when he talks about think, that's that's the idea in Philippians chapter four, that you're in your mind, all this proceeding in your mind because of your knowledge of the word of God. Right. Uh, I, to sit there and the attributes you have uh, known about what God has revealed about himself, the scripture passages or portions that you've memorized with your time, you're literally in your mind building faults. This is what God said. This is what he's promised. You want to strengthen your mind and overcome worry and some trouble and and distress, consider what God has said. So taking account, orderly, yes. orderly taking an account. Enumerate. What, I mean, I, I think probably a lot of folks would say they like lists, just not do list, not, not right, to right. be done list, you know. But as you think about that, that's what you're doing. You know, God is good. How do I know God is good? Well, he said he's good here, and he said he's good here, and he was good. I think about some of the Psalms, where literally the Psalm is enumerating the goodness of God towards the children of Israel. His mercy endureth forever, his truth yeah. endureth to all generations. Think about, I think it's 138 Psalm, his mercy endureth forever. Yeah, well, you know, it says his mercy endureth forever, I, I think it's like 16 sometimes. Yes. Other times where he talks about, and his mercy, he brought us out of Egypt, and he brought manna, and he did this. And he did that. That's that enumerating process that ought to occur. Now, I, I was not part of the children of Israel. I, you know, didn't, my people didn't come marching across the Red Sea or the Jordan River. But nonetheless, so many of God's promises are applicable to me, and I should be able to count and enumerate them. Uh, that is a great way to strengthen my mind to allow me to, in life, deal better with some of the things that trouble my mind. And just like taking inventory of anything, it requires work. Yeah, it is. It, it, you know, stimulating the mind with discipline, thought on the passage of the Word of God is, in fact, it sometimes uh, hard work. Uh, in fact, it sometimes can be hard because uh, it, requires, it requires focus. And sometimes, uh, especially, I think this is especially true of our society today here in, in the U.S., we are so occupied. Yeah. We've got to make time for it almost. Yes. And and sometimes lack of sleep. So you sit down in a chair and you just begin to think and it won't be long before you're dreaming. Yeah. That seems, I mean, that's just a, a sudden thing. Well, I think it speaks to also what are we, what do you do with your spare time whenever your mind, you know, you have a spare minute at work or a spare minute at home or a spare, I mean, what do people do? Boom. They're on their phone. Mm -hmm. They're just eating up their time. Oh my, you can get into some of these like uh, shorts, short videos that are online and you could, you could scroll away for hours and hours like that. No time at all. Our mind just moving, it almost has an addictive appeal to it. And to tell someone it's biblical meditation, just think, think about the scriptures, think about your attributes of God, think about his promises, think about uh, what he has said he's going to do. And that speaks to the need for biblical for bible memorization and scripture memorization in our lives i mean you're going to need to have that there if you're going to say you want to think on the word of god for 10 minutes five minutes three minutes two minutes you're going to need to have some scripture in there to think upon yet it also works in tandem because it has the opportunity to allow us to better memorize passages uh, over the years i found that one technique of memorizing passages is maybe to put it on a card and break it down into phrases right and that is a powerful way. So it does 
you know, it, it and, does work together. It enhance, one enhances the other. Yeah. And to be able to know that phrase and, and that God has said this, and then this is linked to it, and then, and it all culminates together. And yes, a believer's inner man is greatly strengthened. It's almost like you were liking it to the gym. So many repetitions and so many sets. And, and that's how it moves in our life. And it will allow us to really deal uh, with our inner man as it is renewed by the Holy Spirit every day. Yeah. I think uh, we mentioned a moment ago really about it being used as an example. It's encouraged in the 119th Psalm. And, you know, the 119th Psalm, it's it's uh, 22 sections of eight verses. This is 176 verses long. And the theme really is, in essence, the Word of God, although that is not the exclusive, meaning there are other secondary themes. I think um, a very common thing, and this is very fresh in our mind, but uh, with the 119th Psalm is the trials David went through. Yeah. And you know, since we're just finishing up on some of the troubles of the mind, I, th- I think this naturally follows with it. David knew trials. I mean, he knew the trials of princes that were speaking evil against him. He knew the pri- uh, the trials of individuals that hated him. They were seeking his life. Yes, that were seeking his life. Uh, he, he knew the trial of need and persecution. He knew the trial of tears. And so at every constant turn, there's these trials. And overshadowing all of it is the word of God. Yeah. And that directed his step and that kept him and, and that illuminated him, that gave him discernment. And so while we just focus on, yeah, it's just about the word of God, it plays a greater role in significant uh, or in greater significance when you understand that David also had as a constant companion troubles. Yeah. And several times through the 119th Psalm, you'll see a mention of meditation where he, that is David, considers the necessity to contemplate, to converse with himself about the word of God. For instance, in the 15th verse of the 119th Psalm, David, in speaking in this wise, he speaks, he said, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Yeah. Precepts, those things that are enumerated, you know, he said, I'm going to meditate upon them. And he does the same, I think it's in verse 78. In verse 23, he's talking about, I'll meditate in thy statutes. Yeah. Those are the decrees. Uh, and he said, I'm going to meditate in them. I'm going to meditate on the... Can you, can you sit back for a moment and meditate upon what God has commanded you to do? Yeah. Grow in grace. That's an imperative. Grow in grace in the knowledge of Lord right. Jesus Christ. Be thankful always. Those are commands. Uh, I think sometimes we think that God's good with whatever we want to do in life. And that is so far from Scripture. You and I would do well to take time to meditate. Or David would say in verse 27, to talk of thy wondrous work. But he's going to meditate in the precepts and the statutes. Uh, where's some of the yeah. other ones? In verse 97, I think. And really what, what you're doing is you're identifying some different areas that you meditate within. Because you you pick a phrase or a passage of Scripture. You pick an area to think about. You pick a, a question or a need that needs... Yeah, in your mind, you're creating yeah. a ledger in which the truths of the Word of God are stored. And so we're just going through a couple of these here in Psalm 119. Yeah, and and there's there's a host of them. He talks about meditating in thy law, meditating in thy testimonies. Uh, the testimonies, the witnesses was given. And they had the Ark of the Covenant. You would open that, and in that Ark was several things. Aaron's rod that budded. Um, the Ten Commandments were present. The, the manna. manna. All of those yeah. were like... 
promises, if you will, their testimony is a witness yeah. that God is providing, that God is protecting, that God is directing. Yeah. You know, you consider all of this, you're building up that ledger of biblical truth in your mind. Not only that, just in a general and specific sense of meditating on his word. He has commands, substance of truth. Yes. And so meditation is so important. Biblical meditation, I might add, is so important in the life of each believer. Yeah. Uh, I we, think... I mean, one believer we find is Psalm 177. Yeah. You have the psalmist there, uh, Asaph, and he he's going to talk about meditation. Yeah, that's in Psalm 77. It's interesting how he starts that off. He says in Psalm 77, I cried unto the Lord. Yeah. Just, just pick out a couple of notes. I have mine marked by me, but he talks about I'm crying... Yeah. My, uh, my sore ran in the night. Yes. My soul refused to be comforted. My trouble. Yeah. My, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. I complained. <laughs> I mean, that, that just shows you where he's at. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I'm putting this in there to remind you that, again, going back to the previous episodes where we're talking about worry and anxiety, meditation has a tremendous ability in the life of biblical meditation a tremendous opportunity to help us strengthen our minds yeah, because with God's Word. The amazing thing about, well, is in Psalm 77, what we see here is a man who is worried. You could even say he has some anxiety. He has troubles. He has trials in his life. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, he has some anxiety. No, notice, you know, by our definition from the previous week, he's talking, uh, he's talking about anxiety being outward noticeable. Yeah. But yet being somewhat vague. Yeah. He is both of these. There is a sense of vagueness. You're never told what his trouble was. Yeah. But whatever this trouble was, it seems far more significant than the fact of uh, uh, a quarterly exam or an end of the semester exam. Yeah. You know what else we talked about is it has an outward, it can be observed outwardly. And herein, I mean, thou holdest mine eyes waking, verse four, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. That's observable. Yeah, and verse number three talks about my spirit was overwhelmed. That this has a beautiful. It's the idea of being clothed, not unlike in darkness. Okay, I, I mean this is a fella whose heart is overrun. This has affected, no doubt, every portion of his being, both the physical, the emotional. Uh, this is a fella that's moved past just the discouragement. And yet he's rapidly ascending to a level of despondency in his life. Hopelessness is on the horizon. Darkness is pressing within him. And yet there's a constant word. In verse number three, I remembered God. Yeah. And it's just seen throughout. I, verse number six, I call to remembrance. Mm -hmm. um, even, even in verse number 11, you'll find it twice too. I will remember. I will remember. Yeah. I find it interesting that this idea of remember, it has the idea to mark. You know, going back to our ledger format of accounting and thinking, it has the idea to put a thumbtack by. I'm going to remember these things. And he's resigned to remember in verse 3 God's works that are present. He's resigned to remember the, the goodness of God in past days. Uh, he is resigned to remember in verse, verse 11 that we mentioned, the wonders of old. Yeah. You know, whenever we remember something, it, you know, hey, pastor, do you remember? And he's literally going to talk about, he's going to ask himself these questions. 
Uh, yeah, a series will, of them. A series, of, yeah. Will the Lord cast off forever? What What do you remember about this? Will the Lord cast off? What do you remember about this? Will he be favorable no more? Uh, what do you think? What do you remember about this, Asaph? Is this is his mercy clean gone forever? He, he's kind of made these this list of things without will I be favorable? Doth his promises fail evermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? He's not going to answer them one by one. No. It's kind of like, this is the state I am, and here's all these questions that are present. Yeah. And these are important questions. I think, you know, if you're you're in a time of difficulty, time of uh, of worry, anxiety, that's a great question. Is the Lord going to cast you off forever? Yeah. Uh, We've mentioned that, that part of that process of being conformed to the image of God is change. Sometimes going through a little bit of suffering in life, or a lot of suffering, you wonder, has God has God forsaken me? Right. This is the questions that Asaph is asking the Lord. Yeah, and they're legitimate questions. Yes. Hath he forgotten to be gracious? Well, remember one of his attributes? He's a good God. Yeah, he's a faithful God. Yes, an all-knowing God. An unchanging God. An all-present God. But here is one overcome that now through biblical meditation, having asked these questions, he begins to meditate in verse number 11. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention those important words, I will remember. Yeah. You know, sometimes we like, well, I did that before. Yeah. I remembered once. Yeah. Well, remember again. <laughs> yes. This is what he's putting in his, I will. You know, and I think, okay, so in verse 10, he says, but I will remember the years to the right hand of the Lord. Verse number 11, I will remember. Verse number 11 again, surely I will remember. Verse number 12, I will meditate. And then further on in verse number 12, I will talk of thy doings. And so what do you do whenever you remember and you still have questions? Well, remember again. What do you do whenever you still have troubles and trials? Remember again. And it's, that's meditation. It's continual and he just, what do you keep doing? You meditate, you remember, you remember yeah. the works of the Lord. Someone has likened meditation to the process by which some animals digest their food. It's a constant, perpetual, especially if they have multiple stomachs, you know. A it cow. goes from one to another to another, like regurgitation. Yeah. It is a constant cycle. And meditation can be in that regard. The reality is, though, sometimes when we're in the troubles of life, we believe lies. Yeah. You know, you think of so many times we're through a trouble and we'll say, no one's ever been through anything like this. Yeah. Well, okay, you take somebody that is not currently going through angst or worry, yeah. and you sit them down and ask them these questions. Will the Lord cast you off forever? Of course not. Uh, will the Lord be favorable to you? Of course he's favorable to me. Is his mercy clean gone? Of course not. It's, it's not gone. Doth his promise fail? No, 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 no. But then you get to a place where Asaph is, He's troubled. His soul refuses to be comforted. His spirit is overwhelmed. He is, has all this darkness, you could say. And he's at the, the great psalmist who, no doubt, his daily living is literally recounting the goodness of God, singing and writing about the goodness of God, and yet he's asking himself these questions. You know, it's interesting that when he asks the questions, he doesn't answer them. I think it's that process of I will remember. Right. It's almost as though his his reasoning, as he begins this accounting process, that his reasoning is something like logic on fire. 
he, he now has been moved from this despondency, and it's as though you can see the dawn of the power of the Almighty God through his truth revealed in Scripture in Asa's heart. God has come to focus through this biblical meditation. And the complete shift there, once you get past verse 11 and 12, the complete shift now ceases to be the concerns and the troubles that were also prevalent in the first half of the of the psalm. Right. They now have become about the Almighty God being revealed. Yeah. I, I like some of those verses. He says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who? Who is so great a God as our God? I remember just a few verses ago he was asking about is the, is the Lord's mercy clean gone? He's going to answer those at the end. Yes. They're almost, not quite, but they're almost itemized. Who's like an, who's so great? Has God forgot, cast off his people? Who's great like our God? He's going to go to the next verse. He says, thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. You know, has God forgotten to be gracious? Hath God cast off his people? And verse 15, he says, thou hast... With an arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Those were all in the past. Yeah. Then he's going to move into verse number 16. The imagery here is wonderful. He says, the water saw thee, O God. The water saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. Yeah. Talk about a God whose promises fell not. I actually think about that when he thinks about Jacob and Joseph. The promises failed not. Jacob. And Joseph, Jacob goes down to Egypt. Joseph, uh, previous to Jacob going down, is kidnapped all because of famine. Has God forgotten his people? The waters now are afraid. He comes to verse number 17. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heavens. Lightning lightened the earth. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, thy path is great waters, thy footsteps are not unknown, thou leadest thy people like a flock, like like sheep, by the hand of Moses. Reflecting on all these past things, it answers every seeming question that he was to have towards the initial onset of will God cast off, will he be favorable, will he show mercy? You know, that's what biblical meditation has the potent potential to do to take us from despondency and bring us into victory. Yeah, from the sleepless night. To a time of rest and peace yeah. in him. But the marvelous thing doesn't just conclude in the 77th Psalm. It moves over into the coming Psalm because in Psalm 70, 18 is a mystical. It's a, it's a, a time of understanding, instruction, if you will, of Asa. Give ear, all my people. I mean, here's, here's a fellow that starts off in Psalm 77 his eyes are held waking, sleeplessness, trouble, no comfort, no consolation, giving questions towards God that you would think that even the most naive child of God should have, the Sunday school class could have answered. Yeah. And yet here's a, a man that turns despondency into a powerful message. Give ear, all people, to my law. Incline ears to the words of my, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. He's going to preach now. Yeah, But he doesn't get there through a motivational speech on YouTube. Nope. nope. He doesn't get there by turning on his, I don't know, whatever his 
champion song is that he wants to listen to to get excited. <laughs> you know, that's not how he's bringing himself. His emotionally to a place. driven music, yeah. No. Yes, no, he's rather he's going to consider and meditate and remember the works of God. The power of the Word of God was transformative. Yes, we often think of that only in light of the unbeliever meaning the gospel is trans, but the power of the word of God is transformable always, even in the life of the believer. The light has come on. He has moved from thanklessness to thankfulness. He's moved from darkness to light. Yeah. He's moved from isolation to being around those other children of God. And all of this was done through the power of meditation, biblical meditation that strengthened his mind. Asa went from a sleepless night of distress, but through biblical meditation, he was given a message for God's people in which not only his hope, but their hope could find rest in their souls. Yeah, We hope that this has been a help to you uh, as we look at how you and I can strengthen our minds. And so with that, I want to conclude our episode here today with a verse out of Psalm 77. And verse number 12 says, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy doings. And so as we sign off for the day, let us also meditate upon all the works of the Lord and talk of all his doings. And with that being said, we want to thank you for listening and goodbye for now.